Well, I learned something this week. Um, if you're going through a series, um, and the pastor asks you to preach out of a particular passage, before you say yes, you might want to read what's actually in it. Um, if I had read chapter 6 um, before I had said yes, I might not have agreed to preach out of this passage. Um, <clears throat> this was a little more difficult um, to pick a sermon out of than the first time, and I'm not really sure why, um, because there's a lot of good stuff in here. Um, but I really struggled with what to preach out of. And I figured it would probably not be a good idea to preach out of the six verses for me. First six verses for me, um, if you were reading it this week, um, you might know why. If you don't, talk to me afterwards and I'll try and explain it to you. Um, but as I was reading through it and I got to the passage about you know, John the Baptist beheading, I was like, well, why would Mark throw this in there? Maybe this is what God wants me to preach. So I was doing some research and I decided that's probably not the most family-friendly message that I could preach out of this book or out of this chapter. So I figured, well, maybe not that one. And so um, I'm going to preach out of the only story besides the crucifixion that's in all four Gospels, and that is the feeding of the 5,000. Um, but before I, we begin reading, I want to kind of back up a little bit so you know what's happening here. Um, Jesus had, had sent out his disciples um, in verse 7. He sends out, calls the 12, and then he sends them out two by two. And then they have this, Mark goes into this flashback about um, what, what happened to John the Baptist um, because he wasn't writing to Jews who would have, in Jerusalem area, who would have known, okay, this, we knew what happened to John the Baptist. So we had to explain. So he's kind of backtracking there. And so that's in the middle of... Um, the disciples sending out and coming in. So right before the, the feeding of the 5,000, the, the disciples, Jesus' disciples had just come back in, um, and they were there's a lot of people, and they were having a hard time actually getting the food and rest they needed. So Jesus decided, well, we're going to go and depart to uh, a deserted place in order to get some, the rest and uh, the food, we, we can get some food that we need. Um, but that didn't work out in Jesus. Well, Jesus knew it was going to happen, but it didn't work out for the disciples' favor. Um, so we're going to begin uh, reading in uh, verse 33. Um, it's on page 687, I believe, in the Pew Bibles. Um, if you would all please stand for the reading of God's Word. Um, again, I read out of the New King James Version. That's the version that I like. Um, it's a little different than the Pew Bibles. But beginning at verse 33. But the multitude saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them, because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he, he began to teach them many things. When the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. But immediately he said to them, You give them something to eat. And they said, Shall we go and buy two hundred denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? But he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them to make them sit down in groups on the green grass. Um, so they sat them down in ranks, in hundreds and in fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves, and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of fragments of fragments and of the fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about five thousand men. 
May God add the blessing to the reading and teaching of his word. He may be seated. While I was reading through this and preparing in the last few days and last week or so, um, I actually plan on preaching a little bit broader of a spectrum of this this chapter. But this morning, when I was, they were singing, I really felt compelled to really limit it just to this section. Um, and it's just the, the way this, the Spirit has been in the planning of this, because we're going through spiritual gifts, um, which I really feel um, we can apply in this passage. Um, and I'll tell how in a minute. But um, with all this that's been going, I just feel like this particular passage is something that stands out um, and so, this morning, all the songs we're singing, we're singing about how powerful Jesus is. And in this this story just tells us, you know, there's 5,000 people Jesus fed from five loaves of bread and two fish. But it wasn't just 5,000 people. That just was the number of men. And so, there's 5,000 men, typically there's 5,000 women. And if there's 5,000 men and 5,000 women, there's going to be at least 5,000 children. And so the, the scholars think that there was actually between fifteen to 20,000 people that Jesus fed with five loaves and two fish. And so that just, just is, leaves me in awe because I don't know how you get 15,000 to 20,000 meals out of half a meal. Because so, I love food and I love to eat, but I mean, five loaves, five loaves and two fish ain't going to go very far. So, but Jesus, the power that Jesus had, he took what they had and he multiplied it beyond the wildest dreams and imaginations of anybody there. And I just feel like that's the same thing we're going through. The spiritual gifts that God has given each and every one of us, he already knew what he, was, he had given us. And he's going to take, if you want to, he'll take what you have and he'll multiply it beyond your wildest dreams, just like he did with the disciples. Because he calls them, he's saying in, in verse 37, he said to them, you give them something to eat. And so he's given these gifts to you and he's saying, I want you to use them. I don't want you to tell me that there's people that you can help and not help them. And so that's what he's saying. But when they say, well, you know, 200 a denarii was a day's wages in this time. And so they're saying 200 days, which is eight months. So eight months of your pay wouldn't feed this crowd. And then, so they're coming up with an excuse of how they can't do it. But Jesus doesn't want your excuses. He just wants to know, what do you have? That's the next question he asks is, well, how many loaves do you have? What do you have? What can I use that you have? And so he takes, you know, this little bitty lunch. And I remember Pastor Jeff preaching this out of John. And the thing that stuck with me out of his was the five, there were five barley loaves and two sardines, right? And this was like the bottom of the barrel, like the last lunch you had. So this is like stuff people really didn't want. And somehow, he just still took what people don't want and he multiplies it into something beyond, beyond my mind. Um, and so he can do that with your spiritual gifts in the places where you are, um, and I know that I had actually planned a longer message, and, and, but I just feel like this is so important that we need to remember that Jesus 
can multiply what you have. He doesn't want you to go out. He doesn't call you to go out and get stuff. He wants to take what you have now, and he'll grow you in that. And sometimes it does mean going and getting you know, more education. That's probably my next step is more education. But he's going to, to, to multiply what I have now. And my spiritual gifts, I'm gonna, I don't know if this is okay to do, but I'm going to go through and tell you what my spiritual gifts were. Um, my number one was craftsmanship, which I don't know how that happened. Um, I got a perfect score on that too. So, and then the next two um, were exhortation and knowledge, and they were both 14 and it's out of 15. But it was kind of interesting. I had six of them at 13, so I didn't have my top four. I had my top nine. So, and there helps leadership, pastor and shepherd, prophecy, service, and wisdom. And so that's that's what God's given me. And he's calling me to use it. I mean, I'm trying to use it today. It's not, I know it's not real good yet. It's a little rough on the, on the edges, but um, he's calling me into these things. And he's already given me the gifts, the spiritual gifts that I need. You know, he's not telling me, well, you have to go out and learn all these things, learn all these gifts. He's like, I'm already given you these, and I want you to use them because I'm going to multiply them beyond what you're even capable of conceiving. You know, I'm going to use you to impact people. You know, where they're at, because if you're reading when he sends out the 12, you know, we don't catch this, but he sends them out in basically ordinary clothes. You know, the the um, the tunics he sends them out in, they're like what would be the equivalent, modern equivalent of blue jeans and a T-shirt. You know, it's what everybody wears, you know, or well, I wear all the time, but um, it's what people, you know, it's just ordinary stuff. It's not extraordinary. I mean, you don't have to go out. To everybody, you know, in a suit and tie, I mean, you can if you want to. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but he's calling these ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And that's all I am. I'm an ordinary person, but he's calling me to do an extraordinary thing. I don't know what it is, and I don't know how extraordinary it's even going to be. But he asked you to step out in faith, which I preached on last time. He wants you to take what you have, your spiritual gifts and your talents, and what you're good at. And he wants to multiply them so big that it'll completely blow your mind. And you'll be looking back at like, how did he do that? And so that's really what I want to preach. But I guess since there's time left, I can go on. Um, um, and we'll hit another thing that um, really stuck out to me was um, that I, well, I don't know if it stuck out to me. But I really thought about was. The Jesus walks on water, and it's it's so interesting because Mark wasn't one of the twelve disciples. I don't know if you guys know this or not. Um, and for me, growing up in the church, I never really thought about it. But there's only two gospels that are written by one of Jesus's twelve disciples. You know, you don't think about it, but as you're actually studying, going to school, and taking classes, you're thinking, you know, that's right. You know, it's like, oh, I never thought of that before. Um, but Mark wasn't one of the 12 disciples. But the reason Mark's in the Bible is because of the close association Mark had with the Apostle Peter. And what I found interesting about when Jesus walks on water, if you read in um, the other Gospels, uh, I think it's Matthew or Luke, where the person who actually, the, the story of walking on water is expanded and um Peter actually asked Jesus if he can 
come out to him, and Peter gets to walk at least a couple steps on the water. Um, but it's interesting that it's not included in Mark, and I'm almost I'm kind of curious why, and I wasn't really able to do the proper research to figure it out, so I don't have that answer yet. Um, but it's but I've noticed this theme throughout Mark is it's very general when it refers to disciples. There's not usually a specific one, so. It could be that maybe Peter was embarrassed that when he walked on the water and then he tried to, then he sank. You know, he didn't want to tell people about that. Um, but it could be Mark didn't want to shame Peter for that. Or it could be that Mark just wants general idea because most of the people he's writing to doesn't know the 12 apostles. Um, but it was interesting in, is that um, when he... Jesus sends them away, and then he sends the multitude that he just fed away. And Jesus goes to pray. And then Jesus is um, he's done praying. It's the fourth watch, I think it's about, which is about midnight. And Jesus is now standing on the shore, and he sees the disciples. And they're out there, and they're just they're struggling, and they're trying to row, and they're rowing. The wind's completely against them. Everything's against them. Jesus sees that, and Jesus never wants to see anybody struggle. Um, and so he, he goes to them. He's walking on the water. And because all they're doing is struggling, and they look up and they just see this person walking on water. And I'll tell you, if there's somebody that ends up walking on the water anywhere near me, I'm going to freak out. <laughs> I don't know about you guys. but um, And so they're all scared. And Jesus comes to them in their time of good need, in time of need and he says to them, be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. So the first thing Jesus does when he comes to them is he speaks word of encouragement and comfort. And I just think that, um, you know, sometimes there's a daily struggle. Um, and we just feel like everything's it's an uphill battle all the time. And everything's against us. But Jesus doesn't want to see you struggle and so he's going to come to you when everything's against you. The wind is always in your face. And he's going to come to you and he's going to speak words of comfort and encouragement to you. And he is never going to leave you. I mean, it says that he could have passed them by walking, but Jesus didn't. Because Jesus cares about each and every person. He doesn't want you to struggle. And he didn't want to pass them by just to get where he was going to the next spot. And so he, he stops and he speaks words of encouragement to them. And and they were just amazed by this. Um, I don't know why they weren't amazed by the fish. It doesn't say that they were. But they were amazed that he walked on water. And they were just... And then as soon as he got into the boat, the wind stopped. So as soon as you let Jesus help you in your struggles, they're at least going to slow down. I mean, they don't... They might not feel an immediate stop, but it's definitely going to... Okay, I can breathe now. Um, and I just... I feel like we need to hear that today. Um, and since I've still got time, I'll preach. I'll go back and um, let's see. What else did I want to actually say? Um, and really, the biggest thing is God wants us as all ordinary people, which I don't know of anybody in here that's I wouldn't consider ordinary. No offense to anybody, but... Um, we don't have, that I know of, we don't have any royalty in here. So, he wants us as the ordinary people, he wants to send us out um, to the places where we're at. Just 
in ordinary places to ordinary people as ordinary people. And he wants to expand our spiritual gifts, our talents, things that we do. Um, he wants to expand that beyond our imaginations um, in order to bless people, in order to have a kingdom benefit. And one of my favorite sayings that I've heard um, is God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. And I like that, but I want to change that just a little bit. Um, God doesn't call the equipped. He has already equipped those he has called to do particular works. We just have to tap into our potential and continue to grow and develop the spiritual gifts we've been given. And so um, I just I felt like that God doesn't have to equip you because he already has. Um, he is he is known you from the day he formed you in your mother's womb. He knew you from before time began. He knew what was going to happen today. And so he just wants you to tap into the potential that you have in order to um, bless those who are around you. Um, and so I just feel like that's that's really all I got. So... <laughs> Um, I know it's a little short. Um, I'm trying to get better. I think I made it about 20 minutes today. So, <laughs> um, but um, I just really think that we need to this week be thinking and looking in places maybe we can use our spiritual gifts. You know, as our spot where you know, like mine. You know, maybe there's somebody that needs some help. Maybe there's somebody I can serve this week. You know, I'm really looking for places like that. Um, and Pastor Shepherd, I don't know all of how to do that yet. Um, and i got to learn a little how to use it. But maybe there's somebody that needs some help. That There's some shepherding and kind of guidance this week through the scriptures. And so I would encourage you, for those of you who weren't taking the spiritual gift test, maybe we can find one for you um, to take. So you can kind of see places where maybe you can serve and help the people that you're around. Um, and if you feel like you're just struggling, um, maybe try getting alone and praying like Jesus did. And just see if you can seek out in the Bible, look in the Psalms for words of encouragement this week.